Hello, my name is Dustin Hosseini, and this is the Digital Education Practices Podcast. Today, I'm here with Stacey Noble and Kathy Salzedo from the Management School. Stacey, would you like to introduce yourself first? Yes, thank you, Dustin. Hello, so my name is Stacey Noble. I am teaching staff in accounting and finance, and I've been working for Lancaster University for nearly four years now. As you might be able to tell from my accent, I am not a Lancaster native. I am actually based in Falkirk, central Scotland, and I don't live in Lancaster. I, so I'm teaching staff that commutes pre-COVID and work from home significantly. My colleague, Cathy, uh, is also here today. Thanks, Stacey and Dustin. I'm Cathy Salzado, and I've been teaching at Lancaster for about 10 years now, um, having done my PhD there as a returner from maternity leave. And I am based mainly in London now, having previously lived in Lancaster, but having left Lancaster about two to three years ago. So I do most of my work remotely from London. Okay, great. This is very timely because obviously because of coronavirus, COVID-19, a lot of people from all staff uh, ranks are having to work at home. Um, And I think, Stacey, what, what are you going to talk about today? I think I just wanted to reflect on my experiences as a long commuter slash person that works from home pre-COVID to see if there's any insights that I can offer anyone that's suddenly forced to find themselves in this position. Because there are absolutely ways and means that you can work to your advantage in a role like this. That was my main motivation for submitting this as a topic. Go ahead. Who wants to kick off then? In general terms, so remote working to just give a brief summary, any on campus teaching commitments, I travel from Falkirk to Lancaster 4. So anything I talk about will be pre-COVID. And more often than not, I would go down there and back in the same day. And happily, um, Lancaster University as an employer are wonderfully flexible to allow um, for that travel such that, for example, I can have teaching between 12 and 8 to 8. And that means I can do my fair share and then get the train home. Most of my other work can be done remotely. So things like marking, administration, committee work, academic tutor, communications, that can also be augmented by technology. Liaising with colleagues can be done through technology. I'd say that for every four tasks that I've got um, outside of direct teaching, they can be done remotely for the one that has to be done on campus, I'd say. Do you want to give a kind of summary of what you work remotely on, Cathy? Yeah, so I'm working from London, but over the last few years, we work in accounting and finance and our cohorts are typically incredibly big. And that, I think, has some effect on how well we know students. So to sort of counter the fact that I teach um, classes of up to 500 students, I um, was looking to do some more sort of small group teaching. And about four years ago, I started our placement degree, which meant that we had a group of students who in their third year of university, instead of going on to finish, they went and did a one-year placement um, in industry. And I've become the academic tutor for this group of students. And the benefit for me is because I work remotely, these students are also remote from the campus and are able to be supervised and met with remotely. And this has become something that we've done for, for several years now. 
now um, very comfortably and easily. The students don't find it a problem at all. So this is all fits with my personal lifestyle and it fits with what the students are doing as well. Okay, so basically you've you've had this opportunity on, on both ends. How have things changed, I guess, or how has that helped you, this sudden shift to the online teaching? Suddenly everybody is online and that means before that um, we didn't necessarily always have the sort of appropriate software. And there were some expectations about when um, we would be expected to attend. By using Teams, I'm now able to attend all a lot more meetings and students can contact me much more easily through Teams. So I'm finding that's making life lots easier. So where we might have used Skype before or phone or email, students are using Teams. It has the benefit that all our contact is is being kept together. And the students feel like they've got more access, which obviously has to be controlled, but Mm. it's it's a better relationship that we've got now because of it. What do you think, Stacey? I absolutely agree. I think what you're saying about expectations is very important as well. I think that speaks to actually a lot of what I had to say about the kind of practice and other people's expectations pre-COVID and the way we work currently, that the work that, that we do remotely, whether it's on campus, generally takes the same time. So it takes the same time to mark a dissertation, to provide supervision for a dissertation, to liaise with students as an academic tutor, to grade an exam, to grade a report. But the preparation for things like managing the programme of employability modules for example, takes a while. And I think the fact that we've transferred to online teaching now really highlights and makes visible the length of time it takes to do the work that suits staff like us that work remotely, if that makes sense. So I think expectation setting has become a lot more visible. So it helps to be patient with colleagues and to understand that things will take longer now that we're all in the same boat. You know, chasing up an email for an important clarification on, for example, what's happening about summer exams, we find that all colleagues require an ingredient into this big pot of decision making. So it will take a time to trickle back down. I find that that's important to remember that you're on both sides, what you're saying about expectations and the expectation of us in our remote working, how long it actually takes to do the stuff that might seem invisible is now highlighted well is the point I think I would like to make. Yes. Okay. And what what about for you, Kathy? Yes, I think in some ways I feel like I'm 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 more of a member of the university again than I was. So actually, it's a terrible thing to say because it's been such a you know dreadful time for people. But I actually feel like I'm more in contact with people, and because of our my particular role where I sort of go back and forward a bit. I was never in the right place. I was in London when I needed to be in Lancaster and Lancaster when I needed to be in London. And I'm finding that I've got a routine of work that's much better. And I'm in regular contact with my colleagues now in a way that was difficult before. So I'm hoping that when this is over, that that more people will feel able to sort of um, have, you know, a blended role, not just blended teaching, but a blended role like like um like we're doing um, and that won't be seen as a negative um as it may possibly have been done in the past and i know that uh, both of you, are, you you both teach obviously uh, on different courses modules i don't know if maybe you could share some thoughts for people who might work in administration so uh, 
in terms of you working with them? How has that been? I've had regular catch up with the admin people I'd normally deal with, my uh, wonderful secretary, Andrea, who looks after part one. Um, and we've started to arrange more regular chats now. Um, and it, we find that we're, we're having the same conversations we used to have, but online now. Um, and it's just, and we end them with just chattering like we would have done at work. It's much better, but we've had to make it more regular. Um, and we've had to sort of schedule it in and say, look, we're just going to catch up. It doesn't matter if there's not much to say. So that's that's been the way that, that I've started to deal with professional services. But it's definitely taken time as people have started to adjust to this new thing. And there was a period where I felt that nobody was really in touch. I don't know what you think, Stacey, about that. I think it's fair to say we were all a little bit in shock. So, yeah, I think that's true to say. I think we're now entering into you know, new normality. So I've if the context is about working with our professional services colleagues, from my recent experience, I'd say they've had to take on enormous new tasks. So I've got nothing but everlasting gratitude for each and every one of them. They're working so that I would imagine that my professional services colleagues have less experience of working from home as well. So this will be you know, a much bigger shock than for people like Kathy and myself. In terms of my recent work and what I'll be talking about tomorrow, what I've found is that if I've got the capacity that I equally share the administrative tasks that I've had to create from reconfiguring new activities for online learning. So once, you know, I've got a clear idea of what's happening, um, I have to give very clear instructions because some of these activities were not, you know, I've never really been done before. Um, and it's about giving clear guidance on what needs to happen as early as possible as well so consulting getting feedback from all colleagues including professional services staff remembering to copy people in suitably so that everyone has a heads up um, and just being inclusive I think as well so yes regular feedback is and communications like Kathy has described but also remembering we're all a team particularly when we're developing learning and teaching in a way that some of us might not have done before. The only reason why I wanted to touch on that is because I know it's been such a shift for everyone and obviously everyone has had to kind of shift how they work but as Kathy said uh, the week the, the regular catch-ups have been very helpful and it seems like from your experience too it's been very smooth more or less there's been a learning curve obviously but smooth running would you say that's a fair assessment? Absolutely yes. Yeah I'd agree. Mm. Okay, so should we talk a little bit about, uh, because so the, uh, the other side of our experience is students who've already been remote, who, so the, stu- the students who do visitations who are on placement, they are already remote students and they've, they've had to learn to get used to remote teaching already, um, or about our experience with that. Should, do, should we talk about that, Dustin? Yes, that sounds actually perfect. That sounds very relevant and timely. So yes, uh, what can you tell us about that? Okay, so, so um, our students on placement are asked during that year to produce a dissertation and they submit it just when they come back to university. So essentially they do all of it while they're away. This was a model we'd followed from, we had a degree run by EY and it has proved enormously challenging for the students um, for many reasons. These students have just completed their second year. So they've gone to work somewhere usually away from home. They often go to London because that's where the opportunities have been. 
They have to learn to operate in an office environment. They ha- they get treated as graduates. They get very intense workloads. And on top of that, we're telling them that they have to produce a dissertation. Now, for accounting and finance students, much of their work involves quantitative, mathematical, calculation, short questions. So a dissertation is incredibly far out of their comfort range. They're being asked to write a 10,000 words academic piece of work. And so this presents the most enormous sort of emotional challenges for them, as well as academic challenges. So this has been something that we've worked on, and Stacey is is joining me working on this now about how to perhaps overcome student concerns and build them up to doing this dissertation. The outcome of the dissertation is astonishing. The students who do well in it, which they often do, are have the most incredible boost in confidence. They become confident in academic areas. Some of them choose to take masters as a result. Um, And they become sort of confident that they can write anything, research anything. So the outcomes are great, but getting them there can be a real challenge. Especially in the remote working on both parties context. Yeah. And what are some of those challenges that you've maybe faced and how did you overcome them? So, the starting point of this is that we 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 give them a face-to-face session just before they leave. And that session has had to be delivered remotely this year for the first time. But one of the things accounting and finance students don't don't always get because of the sheer number of them is cohort identity. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we're trying to create is a cohort identity around those who take placements. It's really, really important because there's lots of different ways of forming identity at Lancaster, your colleges your friends on your course, your friends in sports teams. But if you're away, you lose a lot of that. So having cohort identity around all of those students who've been on placement and who come back to the university is quite important. And the careers team do a fantastic job of that. But we wanted to add in that extra layer of accounting and finance identity. So we bring them together to have sessions before they go. And then once they're out on placement, we sort of contact them. Now, Prior to Teams, this has primarily been through email, phone calls, and things like that. Um, But Teams is enabling us, which I sound like a Microsoft advert, but Teams is enabling us to have much better relationships with them. But it's still only a technology. The relationships that I've had to build and we've had to build with these students are to do with trust because they're facing all this challenge at work, and that could be very difficult for them. And the challenge of academic work when they're away from the university. So we've had to sort of build up the idea that it's okay to find this difficult. You will find it difficult. And it's okay if you don't get it right first time. And you're not stupid if you ask a really basic question. And it's okay to email me or chat with me about something that you think is really basic. And so almost to get them to do that, we have to overcome that barrier. You know, yes, I am here. We are here to help. Contact us anytime. You know, we'll answer when we can. And it's fine to ask something really basic about this or to tell us what the problem is about why you're finding it difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, Have you found that, Stacey? I would agree. Uh, my, I, my only limited experience so far would be in terms of doing the placement visits in Scotland. But what I would add is that, it's, as you say, it's tricky to overcome that when you're not face to face. You're in a closed office. You know there's no one recording you. You've got the comfort of being with supervisors who really care, who are approachable, and you can, the student, I would imagine the student can be 
right? I want to ask a really stupid question, and but they're confident in doing it in that setting. Doing it remotely when they're on their own in their home office or perhaps at work where a colleague can hear them via an email or on the phone to Cathy or myself, that's developing that relationship is tricky. So getting them to that stage as as the remote workers too, which they are, um, involves that development of trust, as Cathy has very rightly said. The things that we've found that work are to perhaps have some some sort of ongoing conversations and um, perhaps the odd online session. But the students have such demanding work hours that they simply can't attend anything that's scheduled during the day. So everything that we do has to be recorded so they can access it when they do. So that's something that Stacey and I are working more towards doing as the numbers of students who take placements become larger and become difficult to manage on a one-to-one basis. So that that's part of it. The other part of it, I think, is that the students need to be told that it's okay if they haven't got very far with it. Because what I've found is that some students almost drop out of the process altogether because they're so worried about how little work they've been able to do. But then when they have a conversation and you find that they've been working 10-hour days and having to work weekends and having to handle family issues, and you have to sort of say to them, you know, this is okay, you will do it, but but don't worry about it. So this sort of trust relationship, this perhaps growing warmth over the year while they're away, where they do realise that there is someone academic who's looking after them, as well as the as the careers team, who they they feel very close to the careers team because they do keep in touch, and it stops them feeling so detached from the university, and um, which helps reduce some of the fear they feel about coming back, which is one of the problems that dissertation students face, placement students face, is that they feel totally dislocated from the university, um, and that. That's something that research has shown that this is an issue for students. So we're trying to overcome that problem by having this sort of one-to-one relationship. And how do you how do you go about doing this? Uh, I'm assuming that the one-to-one relationship probably starts as well from maybe the induction week, so the orientation week uh, of the program, rather than just before the dissertation. Is that maybe right? No, it can't take place then because they it can only take place once they get a placement because to get a placement is a very competitive process. So we start contacting students around this once they secure a placement. They talk to us and they talk to the placement team about getting them. But once they have one, then we know they're going, we know they're going to do a dissertation and we know they're going to be in this cohort. For the students who don't get dissertations or quite often decide that they don't want to take that year out, and that often happens during their second year, they decide they want to stay and graduate with their friends, then they won't become part of this cohort. So the cohort really develops towards the end of their second year. They've got placements, they know they're going to go, and they know that we are going to be the main point of contact going forward for them. So it's difficult because it's happening partway through their university experience. Um, And the people they have to form cohort identity with are maybe people they've seen but never actually spoken to before. So that can be a challenge. One idea I've got for the forthcoming practice is to conduct regular dissertation salons virtually so that the students, now again, I'm only doing a fraction uh, this year, but so that the students that I'm supervising can check in with each other as they get to grips with research methods and that even though they're supervisors in the virtual room too, they can bounce ideas off, off the other, perhaps through using something like a doodle poll for determining like the best time to meet. I, I, I think that will be a good idea, but again, it's untested. 
I think that I think that sounds like a really good idea. One of the benefits of us moving online is that my office hours, which would have only been offered at Lancaster before, are now offered online, which means that you don't have to physically be in Lancaster as a student to access mm-hmm. that help. So uh, offering virtual office hours, which is something Dustin helped me with to develop, has been something that's opened up my office hours to a much wider group of students than before. It obviously reduces some of the benefits for students who are at Lancaster, but as there isn't any students there at the moment, that's not such an issue. So I think going forward, I'll have a mix of real office hours at at Lancaster and virtual office hours. And I think I'll continue with virtual office hours all the time now because they've been so popular, um, much more popular than the office hours in Lancaster. (laughs) Actually, just to pick up on that, just kind of a note of information, the university is uh, hopefully going to roll out something called Microsoft Bookings, which will allow you to, in effect, create kind of a, like the old-fashioned paper signups that you might have outside of an office. You can have those on an online landing page so that you can create, for example, a 15-minute drop-in or a half-an-hour tutorial or an hour tutorial. But we're still waiting for the university's ISS team to kind of turn that on effectively. Mm. Uh, I do know that it's been mentioned on Twitter and other universities are doing it. But just to pick up on the digital office hours, um, do you find, either of you, maybe Kathy or Stacey, do you find that the dynamic has changed in any way? Is it more flexible for students? You know, what, what are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? If we're talking more, more generally about uh, teaching practice in general, in term, I, I don't know if I should say this for clarity, in our department because we have such large cohorts we have an academic tutor per year group and then and then obviously Kathy is the academic tutor for the um, industry degree pathway so if I'm I'm the academic tutor for part one for where there are 405 students so physical office hours are run on a drop-in basis and again there's not been a large take-up of students asking to see me digitally again, I'm not sure if that's because of students being part one, but those that have had kind of digital meetings with me or via video conferencing on Teams, I haven't noticed a difference. The students have been forthcoming with some quite stark anxieties. But for the more serious conversations we might hear as academic tutors, some of these can be quite fraught conversations where we have to phone like the counselling service that the university runs. I, I, that's something I'm not sure about in terms of how that would run on a virtual office hour, particularly my feeling of helplessness that I, you know, how much can I help the student if, the, if it turned out to be a particularly fraught conversation? I mean, have you have you had any quite serious conversations, Cathy? And yes, I have. And this is where the sort of one-to-one relationship helps. Because I've been students' academics tutor for a bit and because they've had quite a lot of contact with me, we've had those conversations over Teams with the video on. So they've been able to talk it through with me. I've been able to get just as much help from professional services as I would have done uh, before. So I feel like if, when I forward this to, this information is is processed quickly and, and the students have been offered help really well. Um, it's fortunately very rare, but it has been greater because of anxiety around exams yeah. and also about specific COVID circumstances that have hit students. So uh, my impression is it, it's working well. I mean, uh, probably I want it to work well because I'd like this to continue into the future, but it, but it has worked well. So I, I would say from my experience of, of remote supervision and working remotely is that relationships 
relationships have become more important, not less. And that's meant I've had to introduce perhaps more informality than I would have if I was seeing them in my office at Lancaster. It means that they have to get familiar with the fact that, you know, I don't always get it right and the technology doesn't always work. And also that, you know, I'm a human being too, and I might be, you know, not in the best mood. I think regularity helps with that because this is a relatively small cohort of students, sort of um, the, the total placement degree is about 150, but the actual students out on placement at one, any one time is about 25 to 30. So it's possible to develop those relationships. And I think because they know that I'm human, they are able to say, look, this hasn't gone well for me, or, you know, this just isn't working. I'm finding it really difficult. And it's broken down some of that. Obviously, where students are not doing any work at all, I have to retain some degree of, it, of formality. But I think in general, the informality has really helped. And where I particularly notice it helps is when they come back to university in their fourth year and they feel that I'm someone they can just drop in on and tell me not just the bad things, but they come and tell me the good things as well. And I can't tell you how positive that's been. Someone's just knocked on the door and said, I'd just like you to know that I've got this or I've won this. And those students have also become a really strong alumni group who are really willing to help students in younger years. So this sort of ongoing relationship with a relatively small group, I think has been the most rewarding part of my job for some years now. Um, so if you're starting sort of remote teaching with smaller groups, you're starting remote working, it's, it's just been entirely positive positive for me, um, which I think is is a sort of, you know, a, a nice thing. Okay. And, and Stacey, how about you? What are your reflections? I guess I would follow up with the wealth of positivity of informality. I'll always need to reflect on my working style to make sure I'm never too informal. Um, but I, I see the benefits of it too. So students know that I'm approachable and that although I'm not there all the time, send me an email and it will always be answered and that I want to hear the good news as well as any anxieties or anything they need to talk to me about. There's no there's no real difficulty in me, to, to me in maintaining that, whether you know, you're based on campus and a student was seeing you every day or whether you're remote working, working from home and just going to campus for teaching. To me, it's just a personality type. It's willingness to just be a good teacher, which I think we're lucky that all our colleagues at Lancaster are. I guess I had a, a series of other kind of more pragmatic reflections about remote working as well. So in terms of working towards a positive student experience, the context in our department is very important. So it's the large, large cohort. It's four, 500 students. So it's important to remember that a lot of that work can be done either on campus or or at home, so the programme leadership, uh, the module administration, it doesn't really matter where you do that task. So it can that can debunk the idea that teaching staff do need to be on campus every day. It's also remember to augment your role with any available technology. So the breadth of technology that's kind of that appears to me to have been coming out of the woodwork since this began uh, reminds us that you know even as teaching staff, we're always learning. It's important to keep on top of anything that can facilitate an effective fulfilment of our duties. Other minor things in terms of working towards a positive student experience, I think, you know, we've already covered it's the effective use of teams. Keeping on top of emails is so important. I usually leave anything unresolved as unread if I've needed to follow up with a colleague 
if I needed advice, I always try and respond as soon as possible because I'm aware unanswered emails are always about important things these days. So I never want to leave a student without an answer for longer than I need to. Other very minor things, and this was pre-COVID, was being willing to talk to students between classes. So on the the, the walk along the uh, campus between tutorials and things like that. It was always good to catch up with students that way. In previous years, I've I've often stayed for half an hour, forty five minutes after a lecture, because you know outside the room, because a student basically wanted to talk about something in detail, and I was always really happy to hear it. I think it's important to write and record detailed general feedback documents and lectures to try and mitigate or reduce any expected individual queries about something that you've not been clear on. So if you can write a detailed general feedback session and be willing to spend time on either writing or recording that, it should mitigate the number of emails you would get from students. And this might seem silly, but prior to COVID-19, I always make sure I booked a train seat that had a table (laughs) to let me do work on the two-hour train and and two-hour ride home. I know that Kathy and I both had thoughts on the importance of mastering your own diary, diary management. Do you want to share your thoughts on that, Cathy, in terms of general remote working? I'm now prepared to offer sort of more office hours than I would have done before, but it's important that students know that you're not always available. And similarly for meetings, so I try and stick to a normal working day. Um, I think everybody has found that perhaps the working day has bleeded into the evenings, sometimes into the weekends because of this. And I think just being efficient about when you'll agree to meetings, being efficient when you'll see students, it's just the same as when I was working on campus because otherwise it's difficult to get work done. So it's it's just having that sense of discipline you know these are the hours I'm available and I'm not I'm not available at other times has been something to work on you need to be the master of your own diary and I think it's important to use the reply by meeting function where possible um so I always put in deadlines I put in meetings I put in everything to my diary so that it's a friendly reminder on my phone if I'm in a, a team meeting and it's a minor administrative matter. I always try and follow it up before the call's finished. If it's just a case of, for example, forwarding an email that I for, that I hadn't copied a colleague into, for example, and that way it's dealt with um, promptly. I think an important challenge to working remotely is the the nature of feeling collegiate, being part of that community. So Kathy has already talked about this from the student perspective for the dissertation students, but I think as you know, someone that works remotely and isn't particularly visible on campus all the time, you know, with your own sense of autonomy and defining, you know, opportunities and needs. And I think being collegiate is very important. So it's where you can help colleagues. It doesn't necessarily need to be work done on campus. I think it's important too, um, just to be a member of the community. So just brief minute long best practice I'm currently trying to follow. So again, I've said trying to keep on top of email, I realise this isn't possible for everyone, but I set up my desk space in a lesser used room so that I can leave at the end of the workday and go and spend the rest of the time with my family. Having clear start, finish and lunch times is really important. And as Cathy said, that involves discipline. Where possible, I think it's good to have your desk near a window to get natural light you know, which we don't get much of in Scotland. I think Dustin will agree with me. Um, I I, yes. <laughs> I find it useful to mute the notifications on my phone 
after the work day and at weekends because it's not conducive to that relaxing time I need. And it means that I'm tired come Monday morning if I've engaged in work over the weekend. I want, I think the other main thing would be to just remember to have patience and your expectations of yourself and other colleagues. So things are going to take longer just now. And I think it's important to try and emphasise that to students as well. So we might not be able to respond to students with the specifics that they need because we're waiting on them too, I think. Thank you very much, both of you, for joining today. And uh, I think we'll be talking another time with you, Stacey, and maybe you, Cathy, as well. It just depends on if you submit an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Dustin. That's been, thank, been thank really, really enjoyable. <laughs> okay. <laughs>